Hello and welcome to the Food to Freedom podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help you improve your relationship with food, eating and your body so you can live a healthy, happy and thriving life. If you enjoy the podcast, then share it with the world. And if you want some support with your food and body freedom journey, then find more details in the show notes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I have a lovely Jen with me and today we'll be going through some messaging and some factors that can negatively impact your relationship with food. We'll then also cover some signs that perhaps your relationship with food needs some work. And finally, we'll give you some tips on where to start. So, hey, Jen, how are you doing? Hello. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to dive into some of these topics and just see um, how we can help everyone else, really. Yeah, it will be, I think it will be a good one. Um, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself, about your work? Yeah, of course. So um, I currently do quite a lot of work with people with disordered eating relationships with food. Um, I've just completed a master's in psychology and I also studied nutrition at undergraduate. So I kind of have kind of combined both of the two because I didn't feel like the undergraduate sort of like nutrition kind of covered a lot of the the psychology psychological elements of like why we I guess eat certain things or why we develop these sort of like certain relationships with food um so it's been really interesting to put the two together and I think it really helps um you know like you said clients like understand why they do certain things and know that it's like not just them um because I like I remember even with my own journey, feeling like I was very alone in the whole situation. And it just like you get that sense of like just wanting to be normal as well, don't you? So it's yeah. um yeah, it's really, really good to just help people have that pain drop kind of moment and find re- redevelop who they are really afterwards. Yeah, that that's exactly it. Um that sounds really great. And I completely agree. I don't think focusing on nutrition alone is always or it's almost never enough um so yeah that's exactly um my purpose as well so that's really good um i thought we'd maybe start with some maybe some common messaging that can lead to someone developing more disordered eating habits and or that can worsen it and i think maybe it's important to say that obviously not everyone will develop a negative relationship with food or just have food preoccupation if they are exposed to those messages. But what I see with a lot of people and a lot of my clients, because these messages are so common, they kind of just internalize them and they don't even see that perhaps they're having a negative impact on their lives. Is that something that you have seen with your clients as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Because like you said, it's it's not necessarily the behaviors themselves or sort of like the the actual habits or the messaging. It's sort of like it's how you interpret them and how that impacts on your sort of like your behaviors and your intention behind the behaviors. Because like you said, two people can have the exact same um, behavioral sort of symptom on the surface, but one could be doing it for, you know, with no sort of like um, issues to their relationship with food, whereas the other one, it could be kind of driving a lot of like anxiety and sort of like, like you said, leading to them to be preoccupied with sort of foods. 
Um, but yeah. yeah, like actually, like you were saying, the messaging is the most important bit. Yeah, it's exactly that's exactly right. I feel like the it's the purpose or not the purpose, but the meaning that you give those habits or those thoughts, feelings that actually tell you whether your relationship with food is damaged, damaging or not. So if you are doing something and you don't see that it's negatively impacting other areas of your life, then then that's fine. Um, but yeah, so we are get today we're focusing on the situations where those behaviors and any thoughts you have around foods are actually negatively impact you and your life. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Because um, yeah, I guess a lot of, especially this time of the year, it it can be very um challenging to navigate those sorts of like um you know dieting messaging and sort of I guess placing your sort of sense of self worth on um achieving these sort of like most of the time unrealistic um lifestyle kind of changes, especially with a lot of different diets propping up with elimination of certain like macronutrients or placing like good and bad sort of like um terminology on food so like yeah. for instance a lot of my clients have come from like a slimming world kind of background mm-hmm. so obviously the kind of the terminology with the sins and having some foods that you can have on certain days and not on others it's kind of drives a very um almost like a black and white type of thinking around um foods and developing a lot of anxiety around their choices and then leading to feelings of guilt when they've had you know for instance something as simple as like a sandwich yeah yeah definitely and a lot of my clients and I'm sure with yours will be the same they have these perfectionist tendencies so if it's not all just the good foods then that's going to lead them to feeling some yeah just to some really negative feelings around food and just themselves. Um, so I guess we've already started talking a little bit about this certain messaging that can lead to you developing a negative relationship with food. Um, I think one of the most common ones that we've just talked about is this black or white thinking, putting things into, putting foods into bad and good categories. Um, and that is a lot of it is being driven by the dieting culture. I think there's a lot of messaging that comes from from that. Um, what are some of the other ones that you can or that your clients have said that are triggering for them? Um, I guess just one more thing on the the good and yeah. bad side. So, like when we do actually place that sort of terminology on things, we have like a internal reaction, like um, psychological psychologically. Because when you associate something with being bad, your kind of your hormone system is already sort of starting to develop that cortisol, which is then leading to those feelings of like anxiety before you've actually even eaten it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it builds up that sort of sense of like, oh, well, I shouldn't be doing this or and then you get, like you said, those sorts of insecurities and things as well. Um, but yeah, like another one um, really is. I guess sort of like that social comparison so um people see like what others are doing and then they feel like oh well if they're doing that and they've got you know 
for instance, if they've achieved what the other person wants to achieve, then I should adopt that sort of um, style of eating. Or um, if they see someone, you know, for instance, a lot of influencers or people on YouTube, um, they sort of feel like, oh, well, if they're eating like that, then I should eat like that. But again, that's sort of a very snapshot of someone's day of day in the life type thing, isn't it, really? And that doesn't necessarily equate to that's the hot, that's all they ever eat. Or as well, like that they are healthy, yeah. you know, healthy on the outside, but internally they might not be, they might not be healthy mentally or even physically. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think those what I eat in a day videos and posts can be really damaging because it's exactly what you're saying. It's only a quick snapshot of one day and you don't know what else is going on in their lives and you applying those same rules on you or the same yeah trying to follow the same meals that can be very very damaging I agree with that yeah 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 and like you were saying it is it's the um the rules and things because um a lot of people do develop certain certain rules from messaging from either friends or family or even like their own internal rules that they've developed for themselves where they place sort of like um I guess sort of like you know I can't eat until this particular time or you know I can only eat this if I've exercised on that particular day or you know there's so many different variations of that sort of um eliminations or sort of like conditions around certain foods or you know for instance if people go out for lunch they might feel that they have to earn it via like exercise before or like not eating enough throughout the day and that's when you sort of get into those problematic kind of thought processes really don't you yeah yeah exactly I think it uh, it comes down to the restriction and as soon as you're restricting something the cravings for that will be even higher so you'll want this even more and then if you maybe allow yourself to have it then the feelings of guilt and then potentially followed by more restriction by compulsive exercise that can just become like a really um really damaging cycle yeah 100 because especially like you said if you have put that rule on on something then it's kind of like that abstinence violation effect isn't it and it internalizes your your sense of self-worth as well because you you pin your um I guess your sense of self on your on your diet or on sort of like your external factors and then when you like break that kind of rule to yourself you then feel those sense of guilt and shame and things and it's it's just not not needed is it really yeah exactly and I think this time of the year like what you were saying there are there's even a little bit as if it wasn't enough other times of the year but there's even more pressure now and there's a lot of messaging around what other people are doing so our comparison is maybe even worse than normally we're trying to see what other people are doing. Are they going on a diet? Or maybe I should diet as well. And there's a lot of, I can see with some coaches um, pushing even more transformation photos than normally. And that can be very triggering as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, even like the transformation photos and things, they don't show the journey behind that. And they don't show like what someone has gone through in order to achieve that particular transformation, Mm -hmm. especially when they are sort of more of a, you know, a short term transformation kind of coach, if you like. So an eight to 12 week sort of you can't really, especially with our kind of work, you can't really have that. I guess like degree of transformation in that particular length of time because it takes so much more work to kind of unpick the the thought processes and I guess sort of like what that particular thing means to them rather than sort of like saying you know like here's a here's a macro plan here's an exercise plan and just stick with it yeah exactly and those transformation photos also don't show you where you're leaving that client at and what happens after. Um, I think that's why they can be so harmful. And maybe at the beginning, some people find them motivational, but I don't think they are necessarily very helpful at all. No, that's it. It's it's far better to show like the, the, un, the lifestyle changes really and sort of like how someone has developed a better like Liz said, a better relationship with food and I guess sort of like really showing all the work that they've done underneath. I mean, like you said, a lot of our clients probably do achieve, I mean, I know for myself, a lot of my clients do achieve like real changes in their sort of like in their physical self, but it's as a result of sort of like all of the the underlying sort of like work that we've done or habit-based um I guess sort of like trend changes and really unpicking like what's actually important to them and kind of making it more of a a long term change rather than yeah. like short term one. Exactly, I think I think what you just said there that's key. Figuring out what is what actually is important to them, figuring out their values, and then doing the work and taking the action that is aligned with those values. And of course, this is something that is very difficult to package in a very sexy message saying, oh, look at what what we've achieved in six weeks. Well, it actually takes longer than that, but it's because this type of work usually sets you up for success long on the longer term as well. Yeah, absolutely, because it's going to help you longevity-wise to not be in that sort of like that yo-yo sort of like cycle of um, Mm. dieting which again it sort of it just protects people's mental well-being and also sort of like their their physical well-being rather than you know their body fat levels kind of going up and down all the time yeah yeah for sure um so some of the other things that I have seen recently as well um in terms of the messaging that can be potentially harmful is also a lot of people commenting on other people's food choices or what they are doing. Um, I've recently come back uh, from Slovenia. I was visiting um, my family and it's always the same thing. And I guess, yes, Christmas is even more um, of a time like that. But then January comes and again, everyone's paying attention to what people are doing. And those comments can be really 
yeah, they can just really, they can be really harmful, I guess. And I've been trying to put more content out there about those comments because people don't even think about how they can affect someone. Yeah, definitely. I think comments around sort of like what you're eating or I guess sort of like the perception around like what you're eating as well. Um, it can be really, really harmful and people internalize, oh, well, I shouldn't be eating that much or whereas everybody is different. You know, everyone has different physical needs, different biological needs, different stages of life as well. Like, so it's it's trying to remember that what you do doesn't impact anyone else. It impacts just your your body and your sort of like health and well-being. Um, and I think as well, sometimes it's worth having conversations if they are like people in your close proximity, having that conversation to kind of say like, you know, I understand that this might be something that you're um, concerned about or whatever, but actually I'm, I would appreciate if you didn't comment on my meal choices yeah. Um, actually setting that sort of boundary in place really, because it's, it's a hard conversation to have, but actually it will do a lot better um, outcome long-term. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, even more difficult when you are already on your journey to improve your relationship with food, with your body, and then these sort of comments um, are being said, it's even more challenging. Um, So what I've been doing with some of my clients um, was just preparing for those conversations and even like practicing how they would respond to a comment about what they're eating or about their bodies Um, and that can be really helpful because then you're not surprised when someone says something like that you can remain calm and just say what you've been practicing to say Um, but it's exactly that if you're close to someone then it's worth having that conversation of course if it's a stranger then don't bother um, because it's not worth your internal peace and energy but if it's someone that is close to you then it's worth having an honest conversation and even educating them on why those type of comments can be harmful and where you are in your journey and maybe even end up helping them so a lot of the time the comments that other people say are more of a sign of their own struggles rather than a projection of what they think of us yeah I completely agree there because it is it's um it's often a projection of their own sort of um struggles around sort of like food or around what they like got told um or they've been exposed to when they were kind of like younger um and that sort of like internalized in their own sort of perception of what a quote-unquote like healthy sort of like diets lifestyle sort of like choices are whereas yeah I've done quite a lot of that with my own clients like developed a a kind of um a boundaries um like exercise where we have sort of like talked about you know what might we do if this particular situation comes up and it's really really useful to actually go through that because then it just prepares you for rather than being on the spot and like not knowing 
you know, how to kind of handle that situation because again, our emotions can get in the um in the way in that particular moment. So it's actually taking a minute to just breathe as well and um kind of choose how you're gonna respond to those particular types of comments rather than like you said, internalizing it into oh well there's something wrong with me. I can't be, you know, I shouldn't be doing the X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think preparation is key, especially before any sort of um, events or situations where you feel like you might be exposed to those comments. Uh, So that can be really helpful if you can visualize that, prepare for it, and um, just then also understand that those comments very rarely have anything to do with you, but more with the person who is saying them. Um, Yeah, great. So I think we've kind of covered a bit of this messaging that can lead someone to develop a negative relationship with food. Have we forgotten anything? Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I think... Again, it's just sort of recognizing these different things, isn't it, really? And being aware of how you feel around certain things. So whether you are noticing any sort of like um, food preoccupation or preoccupation with your body. And I guess sort of like what's that actually bringing you? Um, So being aware of like, okay, if I am noticing that I am starting to restrict, why am I engaging in that behavior? What is that kind of? Um, offering me am I feeling like a sense of control in that or do I feel like it's something that I should be doing because others are doing it Um, and just getting a little bit curious really because I think sometimes that's um, often there is a reason why we do engage in these disordered eating behaviors so actually trying to identify what that is can be really really beneficial to then replace it with other things as well yeah that that's right I think um, so one thing what that we wanted to do to do was kind of not really a checklist but talk through some of the signs um that people can pay attention to to identify whether their relationship with food might need some work and i think what you said that was exactly it. um i guess paying attention to what's happening and seeing whether those things are having a negative impact on other areas of your life, but also understanding what exactly is causing that because you might identify that, yes, something's not right, but you need to get curious about what exactly, which behaviors exactly or which triggers exactly are uh, the ones that are causing um, those, those struggles, I guess. Yeah. 100% definitely. Um, So I guess what are sort of some of the more obvious signs? um, Yeah, kind of we could call them red flags um, that you pay attention with, um, with your client, pay attention with, pay attention on with your clients. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I guess the, what we've kind of touched on it before, but sort of like, Eating foods is kind of um good and bad and I guess sort of like those feelings of shame associated with sort of like food choices or 
when people kind of say like after they've been out for a meal for instance you know like um I need to get a good sweat on or um you know I need to earn certain things um and try like having only having certain things on whether it's been a training day for instance or labeling I guess sort of like a day as a a cheat day is a very big one because even that sort of like terminology it kind of it is so it encourages sort of like a negative perception on sort of that that particular day whereas when we actually break it down all foods contain like just the three main micronutrients um it you know obviously there's certain foods that are obviously higher in nutritional value but again when we associate those sort of like terminologies that's when it kind of it causes a lot of um feelings of guilt and then association with their sense of self-worth as well um so they're kind of like quite big ones um also as well like some of the smaller things that not a lot of people kind of pick up on so it's sort of like um when people are sort of like stressed how that sort of like impacts their mindset towards food um whether you know they start to avoid certain things or they'll not allow themselves cravings when they are feeling like tireder or um, saying that, oh, I haven't got time to sort of like eat. So they'll go long periods without sort of like eating. And then that'll lead to sort of like more um, binging kind of behaviors with just the natural sort of like physiology of the body, really to craving the food that we've not allowed yeah. ourselves to say. Um, so yeah, there are there there are so many different things, aren't there? Really, um, and I guess sort of like even a lot of people do track um their food, so whether that's sort of like physically tracking via like an app or sort of like they have like a mental kind of calculator in their mind, um, like for again some people this is absolutely fine and it can be very educational in terms of um building awareness of what certain foods look like and the portion sizing and things like that whereas for other people it can cause a lot of um anxiety knowing like how much they've eaten of certain foods or as well sort of like that perfectionist tendency that we talked about earlier on where they have to hit all the numbers exactly on the dot or they feel like they've you know messed up for the day or and again that's not a nice position for anyone to be in is it really yes for sure I that's something that I recently spoke about because I was going through the same thing years ago and if you identify yourself as a perfectionist that can it can be tricky so um yeah tracking a great tool if used in the right way in and perhaps with the right support but if not that um it can definitely be, um, yeah, it can definitely be harmful. I guess linked to that, what we see a lot is just this constant preoccupation with food and food and eating, taking up a lot of your brain space. Um, I see a lot of people really having to plan very closely when they will eat, what they will eat. And as soon as things don't go as planned that of course causes a lot of anxiety and stress around even more um so that's something that maybe we haven't touched on just yet yeah 
Yeah, because that is a big one, especially when when you are going to like a supermarket, for instance, and if the the option that you would normally have isn't there, then that sort of like causes quite a lot of um, anxiety for someone as well, because then they go into that sort of like um, dilemma of oh, what am I going to have now? And it, it kind of leads into that cycle of, oh, well, if I haven't got that, then I need, I can't have whatever I was going to have. Um, and again, it's that preoccupation. And I suppose as well in supermarkets, for instance, I know a lot of people, especially if they come from a restrictive kind of background, they will browse around supermarkets for a long period of time or, you know, go in for something, but not actually not actually buy anything because of their sensory overload or it's that decision fatigue because they they want to be in the proximity around sort of food but they won't allow themselves to actually have um the different foods that they want yeah so it's quite common especially if more towards like an anorexic kind of tendency as well um but um but again it's sort of only allowing certain types of certain foods so for instance you know bagel things might have been on someone's meal plan for instance but they can't have they can't allow themselves to have a different type of bread or even like a full bagel that's quite of a scary sort of like prospect so um it's actually re-educating and reintroducing these different foods and getting very exploratory with um introducing I guess, fear foods and preconceptions around certain types of foods. Um, I know for myself, like, for instance, when I was going through my journey, I wouldn't have peanut butter for a very, very long time. I'd have, you know, I'd have normal nuts. Um, I'd have like eggs, for instance, but but I wouldn't have like actual peanut butter. And it's nutritionally wise, it's the same. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like they are all fats and I think sometimes actually breaking it down into sort of like they are all sort of made of the same macronutrient can actually help someone to think oh well yeah if I can do that then I can I can do this one as well because it's it's more or less it's exactly the same thing um but it's actually again like we were saying before finding out what the reason behind that sort of um I guess sort of like abstinence or avoidance of a certain food is yeah yeah, for sure. I think that's a big one. Just educating, you, well, either yourself or if you're working with a coach, um, educating yourself about nutrition, just the, the basics. And that can really remove some of the struggles for people because then they can actually understand, oh, actually, yes, I can have this and nothing is going to happen. Um, and we'll touch on some of the tips or steps on how to start improving your relationship with food um, in a little while. And we can definitely uh, talk more about that as well, um, where to start if you want to maybe challenge some of the rules you have placed around foods and eating. Another kind of red flag that I think we haven't mentioned is people often have anxiety or stress when they need to eat in social situations and that can often come simply because 
there are foods available there that they are not comfortable with eating or there a lot of the times in those situations um there are foods that are on their bad foods list so how how do you navigate that i think it's again it's um helping someone to understand that actually what's the purpose of going out to the social occasion rather than focusing on the the meal it's kind of looking at the other elements to it so kind of like um building that sort of like social connection with people and being in, engaged in the conversation um is really what this what yeah. social is about but um but yeah it can be very anxiety provoking especially like you said because as well someone else has kind of prepared it so there's not that element of sort of like knowing what's gone into it or that control side of things um and I suppose as well when you are going into those social situations it's kind of having a bit of a a plan so I like to help people to have a not a specific like you know looking at the menu and sort of seeing like what they're gonna order beforehand but um almost like deciding okay like I fancy pasta for instance so then that kind of like instead of looking at the whole menu and having that decision fatigue element um you've only then just looking at that one sort of like section of the menu and picking something that you feel is looks tasty to you rather than sort of like the um what you feel is the best option or things like that and I think it's quite challenging now for some people with the um energy values so like the calorific content on the menus as well I don't know whether they do it over in is it uh, Spain yeah no they don't do it here but yeah I've seen it in the UK yeah so that can guide people's choices quite a lot I mean for some people again it's it's a useful tool um whereas for other people it's sort of like it's that anxiety of like needing to have like the the best choice or the healthiest choice and I guess it's sort of like it's looking at what the actual what the uh, options are first just like disregarding any whether it's sort of like what the energy value is and I know that can be very very challenging um so a lot of my clients if they are sort of like challenging those sorts of things will do it first in sort of like for instance in like some supermarket type things so instead of looking at the back of like the nutritional pack um just having a look at a few things like and just going for a few things that they actually fancy rather than basing it on solely on the nutritional value mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a really good one um i think we've covered quite a lot um of sort of those signs um obviously it's not an exhaustive list so I do want to say that perhaps we didn't cover uh, something that you might be struggling with but it doesn't mean that 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 it's not worth addressing and um obviously if that behavior is having a negative effect on your life then it's definitely something that to pay attention to um but yeah for anyone who's listening and is thinking okay I think my relationship with food probably 
that it could be better, um, but you don't know to where to start, not to worry. We got you covered. Um, we'll go through some tips of where you can start if you want to improve your relationship with food. Um, and some of those tips might not be applicable to you because obviously it will depend slightly on what exactly it is that you're struggling with. Um, so I guess take whatever you think is useful and leave the rest. That's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I think a few we have actually already touched. And one of them was challenging your food rules. I think that's an important one for a lot of people. So maybe we can touch a little bit more on that. So what that usually means is looking at the rules you have created for yourself around food and eating, and then not overwhelming yourself with trying to challenge all of them at once. Definitely don't do that. Um, But maybe picking one that seems the least uncomfortable um, to challenge. And then, because, yeah, these things can feel very intimidating and scary at first to be challenged and um, to be just, yeah, I guess, um, to go against that. So just pick one. And then what I like to do with clients is plan for when you want to challenge it, how with maybe what foods you want to introduce, um, and then just checking in with yourself throughout what things are coming up for you. If there are any negative emotions, how are you feeling? What is driving them? Um, I guess, yeah, the challenge your food rules, that can be a really helpful one. Um, I'm sure you do that a lot with your clients as well, Jen. Yes. Yeah, I do that quite a lot with um, clients. And again, it's sort of um, like you were saying, it's picking one at a time and introducing it at different times as well. So not just having it um, like at a safe time, kind of eating it in a lot of different forms. So, for instance, one of my clients um, really struggled with um, cheese. So we kind of had it as, you know, as a, a full cheese block, grated cheese, melted cheese, in lots and lots of different scenarios, like eating it out in restaurants. Um, so then it sort of, it takes away that, um, I guess, of the sense of power. And the more you kind of like repeat it as well with different different situations, the more neutral that food is going to become. Um, and I think one of the things that a lot of people forget is like, you didn't just build these um these fears overnight so it is going to take time to um to challenge them and to unpick them um so that's why the repeat exposure to them is really really so crucial and again having them at different times because you might feel perfectly fine having it at like dinner time but if you went out for for lunch for instance or you know you had it in breakfast it might be a completely different um feeling and different emotion that you kind of associate with it or different types of um reservations as well so um challenging it in all those different scenarios and like you said checking in with yourself to see like how you're how you're feeling um I don't know you probably use as well like I use the feelings wheel with my client to yeah. getting them to like you said acknowledge what they're 
what they're feeling and really unpicking that as well and sort of seeing are there any other things not just sort of like an overarching emotion but and I guess what that emotion means to them as well yeah for sure I think that's really crucial because when these things come up a lot of the times you'll want to give up because it is very unsettling it's very difficult to go through that and if you are quite honest with yourself and maybe do some journaling whenever things come up then you can it's easier then to understand where those fears are coming from and then address them um so i guess that's why we say pick one to start with and not overwhelm yourself with a lot of them or with the most the most scary one um just start small and don't think that you are doing it too slow it's not it is a very slow process um because like what you just said Jen it's um you didn't create this overnight so it can't go away overnight either um so i guess linked to that is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat i think that's a big one that again is very scary um but like we said i think um towards the beginning it was like if you restrict certain foods that will just drive your cravings and potentially lead to binging overeating and then feelings of guilt so giving yourself permission to eat all the foods um can really remove that yeah yeah because that's it because i think that's one of the things that I like to reframe instead of um, saying like healthy eating, it's not necessarily healthy eating as such. It's kind of, I think of it as unrestrained eating. So it's kind of allowing all of these different types of foods into our, into our day and having that flexible approach to nutrition rather than having a, an exclusion approach. Um, because we really want to, I guess, sort of like reintroduce and, include things that we enjoy as well as sort of like including things for um you know for health benefits as well um so actually yeah like you said allowing yourself to incorporate these foods really does have a a lasting benefit and again it takes away that mental anxiety but it's um it takes practice and it's one of those things that you will feel uncomfortable with during the process because it's it's an anxiety for you and your anxious brain is kind of like it's having to unlearn like what this um what this food or what this the meaning that you've associated behind this sort of like situation is and it's developing those new sort of like um pathways of thought process whereas and that can be quite scary. And like you said, that's why a lot of people feel like I'm not making enough progress or I'm not doing it quick enough. And that's quite a common reservation for a lot of people. They feel like they're not doing enough, whereas actually doing the basic things and really sort of practicing these challenges and like you said, the unconditional permission to eat or even just eating regularly throughout the day. It can feel so simple, but also so, so challenging for someone if they've gone through, you know, a long period where they've they've had very sporadic eating or they've not 
um, eating very much in the day and then, like I said, binged or overeating in the evening, for instance. Um, so yeah, it is a very challenging situation, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think if you've restricted for a long time, just discovering what foods you actually enjoy, just that in itself can be a challenge in the journey uh, because you don't know you have restricted for so long and you've created your foods that you can eat and you allow yourself that you don't even know anymore what foods you used to enjoy, what foods you would enjoy now because it's been so long. Um, so even that, um, going through trying different foods again and of course, you have the permission to decide, oh, actually, I don't enjoy that. I don't like it. But giving yourself the space to try it and then decide. Um, I think it, that's challenging because if you've told, if you've told yourself over and over again that you can't have something, you then start telling yourself, well, I don't actually like it anyway. But is that actually true? Um, so this time of, experimenting can give you um, some tips on what you actually enjoy and what, yeah, you might not. And that's perfectly fine. Um, There is no reason you need to eat something um, that you don't enjoy, of course. And what you mentioned earlier, that's a huge one as well, uh, depending on what you're struggling with exactly. But eating regular meals um, can really can be really powerful, even though it might sound counterproductive, counter, counterproductive, um, or, um, yeah, just difficult to do at first, but it can really set you up for success when you're trying to improve your relationship with food for sure. Yeah. Cause that's it. It's just getting back into a pattern of regular eating really, isn't it? And, um, I guess it's sort of reinstilling like hunger cues as well because a lot of people they do especially if they've been restricting for instance they will override sort of um hunger and satiety cues um it's very common with people who do a lot of kind of dieting as well um because they've got so used to you know not eating when they're hungry or they'll have like a a coffee or some water or whatever like the kind of suggestions that people say instead of actually just nourishing your body and listening to it um so I think that in itself it can be quite a a challenging thing for people to actually okay identify it and then sort of like honor their body as well rather than sort of like having to justify it or question it um because a lot of the time we do we kind of question that oh well I shouldn't be hungry because I've only just eaten um for instance Whereas I think actually the awareness of our bodies don't run on a 24 hour biological clock. So it you might feel hungrier one day than the other, depending on what you've done the previous day or how you're, you know, whether you slept okay. All these sorts of different factors can influence how we feel on a daily basis. And I think it's it's learning not to associate meaning to that as such in terms of like your sense of self-worth if you are like hungry on one day then you don't have to justify it to yourself if you are allowed to just honor that and like you said give yourself that permission to have more on one day if you are feeling hungry or add extra things to your meals 
Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think people forget that normal eating means sometimes eating more, other times eating less, overeating, undereating. That's part of normal eating. But when you've been in this cycle for so long, it can, um, it can feel a bit scary to just have regular meals. Um, so yeah, the next one that I think I wanted to mention, cause I think it's applicable to pretty much any situation, um, and can be really eye opening. And it's just having sort of a food and feelings journal. Um, I think that can really help you identify any patterns, any triggers that might come up. And we don't necessarily on a daily basis pay so much attention to it. So we can't necessarily pinpoint exactly where the issue is. But if you do that, then try doing it for a couple of days a week and then see if you can identify any patterns, if you can see what triggers any negative thoughts or behaviors um do you have any thoughts on how to make the food and feelings diary um the most efficient i guess or the most helpful yeah so i guess um it's kind of like that checking in before and after kind of like meals um so looking at how your emotions are before and after meals so whether there's anything that has kind of happened in your circumstances that have kind of um, influenced your kind of eating behaviours um, on that particular day. So, for instance, like, you know, you've had a, a bad phone call at work, for instance. Has that then sort of, like, triggered you to then, you know, want to eat um, or different things like that or not eat, as the case may be? Um, and a lot of the things that I use with clients is the hunger scale as well so kind of getting yeah. them to register okay whereabouts am I on this sort of like um on a scale of like one to ten am I sort of like um in the very very low elms where it's like one or two where I'm kind of ravenous and I could like literally eat my arm off right now or am I kind of like in between or am I kind of very very full to the point of like discomfort and it's actually getting people to have that awareness because I not a lot of people um understand that they feel like I'm either hungry or I'm full there's kind of there's no real um differentiation between sort of like the two it's very black and white whereas actually there's a massive kind of like gray in between sort of like scale isn't there really so it's getting people to start to pay more mindful attention to their to their bodies and to how they're sort of like how they're feeling and again, sometimes this can feel like um, a little bit of like a preoccupation at first because it's sort of it's being very intentional with how you are feeling and whether you're responding to a situation or whether you are like physically hungry. Um, but over the time, as you kind of continue to practice these things, it won't feel as much of a preoccupation anymore. It'll just become more of a a kind of. I guess sort of like a you know how you would check your you know brush your hair in the morning for instance it just becomes a bit more of an intuitive kind of process but in order to get to that stage you have to kind of go through that intentional kind of um thought process as well 
Yeah, for sure. I think mindfulness is a big one. And I think if you can implement some mindful moments into your day, whether that's some breathing techniques or meditating or just taking some time to calm down, that can really have a big influence. So that's definitely a good one to mention. Um, and maybe, yeah, just as a more, I guess, um, yeah, practical, not really practical one, but, um, I guess looking at your social media feed, that can trigger a lot of negative behaviors. Um, so just, I guess, cultivate a feed that you feel happy to look at, um, and that brings you joy rather than bringing you more preoccupation with your body, with food. Um, I guess it's again, going back to being very honest with yourself. And if you see that they are, there are accounts that trigger you, just mute them, unfollow them, um, and make sure that you take care of yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. And I suppose, like you said, it's um, it's getting curious as well as to, is there anything particular that is kind of triggering you on on that particular person's page? And um, I guess because then you've got a little bit more insight as to what your particular triggers are. But yeah, it is. It's so important to, um, I guess, be mindful of your social media um, interactions with people. And like you said, just mute them or unfollow them and have a diverse sort of like range of um, accounts that you follow. So not specifically all, um, you know, all nutrition or all like fitness kind of things, but having like, you know, including hobbies that you enjoy, for instance, like art or yoga or all of those different kinds of things and building a, a space that is really just full of positivity as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that gets, uh, we can link that actually with something else. And is if food, anything is taking a lot of your brain space, also look at other things that you have going on in your life. And if there's not as much right now, then think about what you want to build your life around and what you want to spend more time doing and really look at your values and how food and eating can be in support of those values rather than going against them. Um, and that goes, yeah, then for to cultivating a feed that is also inclusive of those things rather than just uh, focused on nutrition and fitness and um, yeah, anything that is potentially damaging to you. Um, yeah, great. I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, We've gone through some potentially triggering messaging, through some red flags, and then hopefully we've given um, the listeners some good tips on where to start on their um, on improving their relationship with food journey. Um, I guess, yeah, maybe the key takeaway um, would be don't try to overwhelm yourself with implementing all things at once. Just see what resonated with you, um, where you think you could start and take it one simple thing at a time. Um, Jen, do you want to add something? Yeah, I think exactly like you were saying there, just starting off nice and small. And 
identifying your patterns as well. So like you said, really getting in tune with what your kind of current struggles are and what they mean for you. And then, like you said, slowly working on just one or two areas at a time and developing a bit more of a a calm practice with yourself as well. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Jen. And thanks everyone for listening. I'll catch you at the next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone else might benefit from it, then please share it with them. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you at the next one.